Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. forget how great he is. When we are far away from God, we forget how great he is. We can't see how great he is. When things are, when, when tr- uh, troubles arise and situations stir up in our lives, sometimes we forget how great God is. And sometimes we try to fix those situations on our own. And we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. But uh, if you turn with me to Isaiah, Uh, We're going to come from Isaiah 40, and we're talking about the greatness of God. Thank you, Jesus. And I started thinking about all the times that God has been great in my life. You know, even when I wasn't even thinking about God, even when I wasn't even serving God, because I grew up in church my whole life. But I don't like when people say that, because it makes the assumption that you've been good your whole life. I wasn't good my whole life. I just grew up in church my whole life. I wasn't good my whole life. I didn't, I didn't really get a relationship with God until I was around 17. Around 17, my father passed away. And when I thought I needed my father the most, when I thought that he should have, that, that was the time that I needed my father the most, God took him away. God took him onto heaven. And in that moment, I was angry with God. And I was like, God, why would you take my father away from me at 17 when I believed that I needed my father the most? And for a while, God did not answer that question. And he did not answer that question until I developed a relationship with him. When I got closer to God, God revealed things to me in such a way that it delivered me from that spirit of anger. I gave, I, I gave that away. Like the the anger just left me, cause it wasn't it wasn't God that God wasn't punishing me, He wasn't doing it because He was mad at me. But I was spoiled, right? I'm the last of seven children, and my sister, my four sisters are ten plus years older than me, so I had four moms. Annoying. So um, everybody's my boss. Everybody's telling me what to do, but everybody did things for me. So I didn't even think about doing things for myself. I didn't get my license until I got married because I expected all of my brothers and sisters to drive me everywhere I wanted to go. And I was bossy about it. Like, okay, I'm ready to go to the store. You can take me. Or you can take me this time. And being that self-absorbed at 17, that was my world. Like, everybody catered to me. That was my world. My sister braided my hair. I didn't have to ask. My hair just stayed done. And I was very into myself. And my, my atmosphere allowed me to be into myself. When my father passed, it was like God slapped me in my face and gave me a wake-up call. There is so much more to life than just you. There is so much more to life than just what's just going on with you. It was then that I developed a relationship with God, and he began to just just grow me spiritually to the point where 
I wasn't interested in dating anymore at 17 because I was like, God, if you want me to get married, I will. But the dating scene gets tired. It gets old. And I'm an introvert. So getting to know somebody is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I'm not going to just give you information voluntarily. I'm an introvert. You have to earn that information from me. I'm not just going to start talking to you, okay? So it takes me time to open up to you as an introvert. And so that just got exhausted for me. So I was like, okay, God, if you want me to marry, be married, I will be. But I'm, I just, God allowed me a seriousness about life, and it, it allowed me a different perspective when my father passed to see beyond myself. How many know that the gift and anointing that God has put into our lives is not for us? It's not for us. It's for other people. It's to reach other people. It's to minister to other people. It's to help other people. And so me being so self-absorbed at that age, I could not see outside of that. Even though I grew up in church my whole life. You know, people say that. That don't mean you was good your whole life. I've still found ways to sneak out the house and do whatever I wanted to do. My mom was a ninja assassin, but I still found ways to sneak out of the house and do whatever I wanted to do. Because she would tell you real quick, I will give you back to God. She said that all the time. All the time. So that was one way that God began to show me his greatness in my life, in the passing of my father. And understanding that if he didn't pass, I probably would have never grown spiritually. I probably would have still been self-absorbed. But it was a wake-up call for me that allowed me to understand that there was so much more for my life. There was so much more going on. And I know people get angry when loved ones pass on. God is not punishing you. God is not mad at you. It was just their time to go. And God will give you the healing that you need. He will give you the comfort that you need to carry you through that. You will never stop missing them. It doesn't go away. But what God will do, he, he, will, he will allow you to be able to live knowing that God got you. He's going to be there with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And every single day, God allow, he reminds us of how he provides for us every single day. He is there for us every single day. But sometimes we take our eyes off of God and we forget how great he is. Okay, so I'm going to go into Isaiah 40. And in Isaiah 40, um, the children of Israel, Judah, was being released from captive. Um, it, was, it was years and it was decades that they were in captive. And they were re being released from their slavery. And... God was comforting their hearts. This was a, a scripture of comfort um, to, to Israel, Judah. They were going back to Jerusalem, and uh, the word of the Lord came and told Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, because they had been in captivity for so long. And... God said they had paid for their sins because he, he had punished them double, twice for what they had done, leaving God and going to worship other idols. So it says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. 
Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it is the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and the level and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. In that part, it was beginning to prophesy on the coming of Christ, the second coming, on how God will come and he will resurrect his people and he will gather his people and he will come back as the Lion of Judah. So this is a a prophecy of foretelling of God's, uh, Jesus' second coming, him coming back and and just rescuing his people. And um, so verse four says, Fill the valley and and level the mountains and the hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken it. A voice shout, I ask, what should I shout? Shout that the people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers faded, fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so... It is with people. That reminded me of how fragile our lives are. How we, I I, I really believe that the world as it is now, we kind of, especially those who are in power, they search for ways to control time or get more time. Time is one thing that you can't get back. And it, it would be very important for all of us to pray for wisdom on how we spend our time. Very important because you can't get it back. Time is very important. And so in that verse where it says, because the people are as grass, our lives wither and fade. Um, but God is saying that even with the, the short time that he has allowed us, because I've only been alive 43 years, and for me, that's a short time. For my children growing up from babies up until now, it just seems like time just flew by. Like they were babies, and now I have two teenagers, and my, my oldest is grown. And so it, it, to me, it just seemed like time just go by fast. And it, to me, I don't know about y'all, but does it seem like the days are like shortened? Like they speed up, the days go by fast? I'll start off Monday, and before I really think about the week, it's Thursday. I'm like, time just seems like it's speeding up, like it's just going so fast. But we really need to be mindful of our time and how we use it. It's important. Now, uh, verse 9 says, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop, shout it louder. O Jerusalem, shout, and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Jerusalem, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him. As he comes, he will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep and gently lead the mother sheep with her young. And in that in that verse, God began to just speak to me on the being him being our great shepherd. There are several verses that talk about God being the great shepherd. I'm not going to go to all of them, but I just want to 
make mention of those verses. Um, in Psalms 23, it talks about the Lord being our shepherd. John 10, 11, 14, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5, 4. Being a shepherd gives you a, a responsibility to care for. You know, I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you were all alone and nobody really cared? Like nobody really cared about what you were going through. I've been in a situation like that. Um, in this verse, God is really speaking tenderly to his people and allowing them to understand that I'm here for you. I care about you. Everything that you're feeling, everything that you're going through, I care. I care about you. I feel what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. Um, in, in this verse where the children of Israel were in captivity, you can only imagine the things that they suffered while in captivity. God is speaking tenderly to his people to allow them to understand that I'm, I'm your shepherd. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. Even in their captivity, God still took care of them. Even in your situation and your circumstances, God will still take care of you. He will never go back on his word. He is not a man that he should lie, nor he's the son of a man that he should have to repent. God will always keep his word. He is always going to be there for us. But here's the thing that we have to do. Because guess what? The ball will never be in God's court as to what promises he will keep and what promises he won't keep. God is always a man of his word. He will always be a man of his word. But there are things that we have to do, right? So for me, me spending time with God in the morning, and I know we talk about tithing. When we talk about tithing, we think about money, right? But you can also tithe your time, right? In the, in the book of Psalms, which is one of my favorite books, David talks about, in, a, in many scriptures, um, verses in that, in the, within that book, he talks about giving God the first part of his morning, right? While the dew is still on the rose, he'll get up and pray. He will give God praise. He'll sing praises to God while the dew is still on the rose. And early in the morning, when the, when the house is quiet for me, I have, to, I have to make that sacrifice to give God the first part of my morning, to tell God good morning and to speak with him and to get on my face before him. That is my tithe to God. When it comes to my time, I give God the first part of my morning, and then he takes care of the rest of the day. But he, he, he is wanting that, that commune, that time with us in that quiet the first part of the morning, if we, a lot, listen, I've, I've woken up and I've forgotten to pray and I've forgotten to get, you know, before God and my day went crazy. Just bats. It was crazy, right? I work in behavioral health, right? And it, the, some days will go real smooth and then some days we'll have like three Baker Acts and then some days we'll get like three suicide calls. Now they have a crisis line, right? But for whatever reason, sometimes the crisis line is backed up, and we get the crisis calls. And I'm like, they didn't teach us this. Like, I do medical records. Like, I do mental health records. I don't do crisis calls. But I've gotten crisis calls. On a Friday, 
around 5, 6, um, like 5.30, 4.30 in the, more, in, in the evening when there is nobody there. All the doctors are gone. All the, cl the clinicians are gone. All the, the therapists are gone. And I get a crisis call. What am I supposed to do with this crisis call? I got a crisis call one time. This lady, she said to me, this is what she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have three small children, and I'm thinking about hurting them. And I need my medication, and I'm out of my medication. I don't have anything I can take, and I'm going to hurt my children. I'm going to hurt myself. That's what she said to me. And I'm like, okay, God. Immediately I started praying. Like, okay, what do I say to this lady? And I, I asked her, I said, is there any way that you can call, or do you need me to call the crisis line for you while you're on the phone with me? She said, the crisis line is backed up, and I've been trying to call the crisis line for like 30 minutes. And I was like, okay. I said, God, okay, t speak to me. Tell me what to say to this lady. And she was crying. She started crying, like profusely crying. And I was like, I said, okay. I was like, I, you stay on the phone with me, and I'm going to get you help. Like, I'm going to find somebody, who, whatever therapist stays till 6 o'clock. I don't know, but I'm going to figure this out, like, right now. I called around several times to different people, and I didn't get, like, an answer or anything. And I tried one more person, and I got them on the line. And I was like, look, this lady is, she needs, she probably needs, like, assistance like the cops need to come or somebody needs to just do a wellness check or Baker Act because she's already having these thoughts right but I need you to like I need you to talk to her because right now this is what she wants to do so I tell them you know everything preparing them for this phone call and I go ahead and switch her over and it was maybe like a maybe a week or two later she called, she called back, but she didn't get me. So she called corporate, and she wanted to thank corporate for the lady who helped her that Friday. Well, nobody didn't know who that was, but it got back that, oh, it was so many people not there. It got back that it was me, and my boss let me know, like, you really helped that lady. Like, you stayed on the phone with her and got her help. She appreciated that so much she had to call corporate. And I was like, I want to say, well, I was like, you I didn't even know what to do in that moment, but I knew that I didn't want to get off the phone with that woman. Like, I, there was just something in me that was like, don't get off the phone. Like, just go ahead and find somebody while you're on the phone with her and switch her over. And I was like, God, I thank you for my mind. There are so many people right now, and this is, this is the, the enemy that will fight your mind, okay? That is the ground where the enemy wants to fight, your mind, with lies, right? Because a whole truth is still a, a, a half truth is still a lie. So the enemy starts off with a half truth. It twists, he twists it a little bit. It turns into a lie. But a lot of us take that bait. A lot of us believe the lie. Eve believed the lie, right? He started off with the truth in the garden, but he twisted it a little bit. She took the bait. She believed the lie. How do you silence the voices in your head that tell you the opposite of what God has already told you? 
You want to know how? The word of God. The word of God says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God has given each of us a sound mind. I'm telling you, and I, I am challenging you this, this day, that if you give God that tithe of your time, if you spend time with God, you will begin to see your life change in a way that you have never seen it. Right? God wants that commune with us. He wants that time with us. That is how we get to know the voice of God. Those other voices, you can silence those voices with the word of God. But you got to take time to get into your word to know the promises of God and what he has said according to our lives, according to the way he wants us to live, according to the way he wants us to think about ourselves and feel about ourselves. He says that he has created us fearfully and wonderfully. He has created us in his own image. You have been created in the image of the great God. Anything less than that, you do not accept it. Right? If the enemy is talking to you, you talk back to the enemy. Use the word of God. If the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror, and it does, then you tell those voices to be silent. You put them under the blood of Jesus. You command them to be silent, and you tell those voices, no more, shut up. No, because God says I am more than a conqueror. God said that he is protecting me. He is covering me. Plead the blood of Jesus against those thoughts and those voices. Cause them to be silent. Tell them to be silent. I have, in behavioral health, you, I have so many people calling or we get a baker at and the voice is telling them to do this or do that. And it's like, oh, why don't you, you, don't, you need to talk back to that voice. You're just going to do what that voice is telling you to do. But when you're far away from God, guys, when, you are far, when your heart is far away from God, you'll give in to whatever the enemy tells you to do. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if the enemy is telling you to hurt somebody, hurt your children, when your heart is far away from God, it is so easy for the, de the devil to just have a field day with your mind. Because the Bible says if you keep your mind stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Only God can give perfect peace. Only God can give it. But the Bible says you have to keep your mind stayed on him. Sometimes it just gets overwhelming for us, especially new Christians, to say, I don't even know what scriptures. I don't even know, you know, where to go and what, you know, what scriptures to, to look at or, you know, whatever. If you Google scriptures on peace, you'll get a whole, like, list of scriptures on peace. And you can go back into your Bible and read scriptures on peace. Anxiety fear, depression, Google scriptures on depression, and it'll pull up all kinds of scriptures. And then it is now your part, right, to go in and read and study those things. At least one scripture, one verse a day. If you just take one verse, read it in the morning, and then meditate on that verse throughout the day, it will change your whole day. But we, we cannot give the devil that room in our minds to play with us, to mess with us. We can't. Take it back. Take it back with the word of God. Take it back. Sometimes 
And I'm going to tell you this. I struggle with claustrophobia. Claustrophobia is the fear of small spaces. I only struggled with it each time I got pregnant. After I gave birth, claustrophobia left. Okay? I went to the doctor for it. They said, oh, it's a phenomenon. I hate, I hate that. Like, so uh, if it's a phenomenon, they don't know what caused it, they don't know how to cure it, and you just have to deal with it. They wanted to put me on drugs, but I was like, because they claimed that the drugs were safe while you're pregnant. I didn't believe that. No. I said, okay, God, it's me and you. Because here's the thing. Husbands always want to help, right? Husbands always want to fix things. If you tell them a problem, they want to fix it so you can stop. Whatever it is. Stop nagging them. Stop talking. They want to fix it, right? And I was telling they want to fix it. They're fixers. They want to fix things. That's how God created them. That's how God created them, okay? So I told my husband about it, and he was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, you, you literally can't do anything. I said, because it is in, it's in my own head, right? The fear of small spaces is in my own head. You can't do anything to fix that, Right? We would go places and then, or get in the elevator. Oh, my God. Get in the elevator, and I could feel it coming on. And I'm like, okay, babe, I can't breathe in this elevator. And he's like, but there's air. Like, I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not air everywhere. You're lying to me, and we need to get off this elevator. We went through different scenarios like that every time I got pregnant, like every time. One time, it was very crazy. We were at a birthday party. And somebody brought a chair for me to sit in, and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no air in that chair. <laughs> and my husband was like, what? And I was like, babe, there's no air in that chair. And he was like, okay, so we outside. And I was like, listen, <laughs> I was like, listen, you're not hearing what I'm, you got to hear what I'm saying. You got to hear what I'm saying. There's no air. It, like, if I sit down in that chair, I'm not going to be able to breathe. And, and he was like, okay. He was like, what do you want to do? I said, well, we need to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. He said, we can't stay. We got to go. And he was like, okay, let's go. And my, my, one of my close friends, it was her baby's birthday party, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I will be okay. I said, but I can't stay here. I got to go. I can't explain it right now because you're just going to look at me like I'm crazy, right? The same way my husband is looking at me right now. But I got to go. I can't stay. And so we left. So many different situations. I would pace the floor. Can't sleep at night because I felt like it was no, no air in my house. I can't breathe. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit gave me a verse? The same verse I just quoted to you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God said that is not your claustrophobia because fear is not of me. So when that fear comes on you, I want you to say, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have a sound mind and fear does not belong to me. Every single time it came on me, I began to quote that verse over and over and over. And as just as real as I'm standing in front of you right now and talking to you, it left. Just like that. I can feel when it was coming on me because it was like this presence that kind of like 
it arrested me like I couldn't breathe and my heart just raced. And God said, say that, for I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You have a sound mind. There's air everywhere. You can breathe. You're fine. You're okay. It's not a big deal. You're okay. But I'm, I'm okay. So fear stemmed from something else. I'm going to tell you that. Because even though the doctor said it was a phenomenon and they didn't know, I was obsessing over my weight. Right? The first time I got pregnant, I was gaining weight. Well, I take that back. The first three months, I was not gaining any weight. And they, they, they were like, we're going to put you in the hospital and put a, a, you know, feed you intravenously. And I was like, I don't want that. They were like, well, you got to gain weight. I couldn't keep anything down. I was throwing up all the time. And I was complaining to my sister. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to, like, grow out of my clothes. So she was like, listen, Stacey, no, 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 no. You need to gain weight. You have to gain weight. In order to carry this whole other person inside of you, you need to gain weight or you will lose the baby. And I was like, okay. So I knew specifically how to pray. And my mom came and she prayed over me. And I started keeping food down. And I started gaining weight. And then I gained so much weight, I, I just felt like I was the jumbo jet in the house. Like, so much weight. Like, if it wasn't nailed down, I was eating it, right? It was, I was going to eat it. It was getting ate. You know what I'm saying? Like, so big. And I just started obsessing over it. And so spaces seemed small to me because I was getting bigger. The doctor couldn't tell me that. But the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. And so then I knew that I was able to release, let that go. Like, that's a part of the process of pregnancy. You gain weight. Some people gain weight more than others. But that's a process of pregnancy. You gain weight. And I obsessed over it so much, it, it started messing with me mentally. Like, everything was real small and I couldn't breathe. And God was like, no, you, you got to take control over that. I gave you a sound mind. Fear is not of God. God does not make you afraid or create fear. That comes from the devil. And you got to speak against it and put it under the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's go ahead and finish this so I can sit down. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. All right, so... Going back to, we're going to start back off with verse 12 of Isaiah 40, and we're going to go ahead and finish it. Who, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off, in his, measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and the hills? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who, who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? In the beginning, God. Who can teach God? Who can counsel God? Who knows enough to give God counsel? I don't know anybody. Right? God is speaking of his greatness. and Well, Isaiah is speaking of his greatness, of God's greatness. Who else can do these things? Who else can counsel God? Who else can measure the hills and put the hills or the mountains in a scale? Who else can put waters, bodies of waters in their hands? 
think of the, the biggest ocean that we have, the Pacific Ocean, right? The depth of it. Who else knows the depth of that Pacific, o- that Pacific Ocean? Like, who else? These questions went out to the people. If you can find anybody else, then you should serve them. But if you can't find any else, then this God. If you can't find anybody else, then this God is the God. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scale. He takes up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nation of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To, to whom can ye compare God? Who can you compare God to? Is there anybody else that you know or anything else that you know that you can actually compare God to? If you do, you, y'all let me know. Or if people are too poor that they might at least choose wood that wouldn't decay and skilled craftsmen to carve an image that won't fall down. So that talks about making images. Um, Whatever you give more attention to than God becomes an image. It becomes an idol, right? If you spend more time doing one thing more than the other, then that thing becomes your image. If you spend more time in it than you do with God, that that thing becomes your image. It becomes your idol. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When, when he blows on them, they wither. The, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up in the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like, uh, like an army, one after, the, the, one after another, calling each by, the name, by its name because his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your night? Have you your rights? I'm sorry. Have you have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. That that part where my father passed and I did not understand. God knew that that was going to happen before the foundations of the world. God knew that I was going to be 17 and my father was going to pass. He already knew that. Right? We will never be able to understand the thoughts of God, the ways of God. But as we get closer to him, he will show us things and reveal things to us that we would not have understood without him. Right? The more time we spend with God, the more he will show us. The more we begin to understand. The more we can love people in spite of how people may use us, hurt us, treat us, talk to us. The, the closer we get to God, the more we see people, 
differently. God will change our perception of people the closer we get to him. I am a firm believer of that because he's done that for me. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in the exhaustion. This is my favorite part. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Who is that promise to? Those who wait upon the Lord. Listen to me. Because we live in time, we exist in time. God does not exist in time. He exists in eternity, right? So everything seems like it's taking forever for us. And God says, no. If I am asking you to wait, then wait. Waiting seems so hard for us. It just seems like it's going to take forever for us. But if God has promised you something, best believe he's going to fulfill it. He's going to perform it. He's going to do it. Sometimes waiting seems like it's going to take forever. But if God is asking us to wait, do you know what waiters do at a restaurant? What do waiters do? Waiters serve. While you're waiting on God, you should be serving. While we're waiting on God, we should be serving, right? We should be giving. We should be loving. We should be caring. We should be helping somebody, ministering, ministering to somebody, right? Speaking to somebody, comforting somebody while we're waiting. Don't get bitter in your wait. Don't get angry in your wait, okay? Don't get depressed in your wait. But waiters serve. All of us are waiting in some season or another in our lives for God to do something for us. Do you believe that God is great? Yeah, God is great. He's greater than any depression. He's greater than any pain. He's greater than any sickness. He is greater than any sadness. He is greater than any anxiety. He is greater than any problem, any trouble. He is greater. God is greater. Right? God says that he will provide for us. He will make ways where there seems to be no way for us. Do you believe God? The, listen, the more you spend time with God, the more God begins to change your perception of your life and everything that flows with it. God, the more we spend time with God, the more he reveals his greatness to us. I challenge you today, I challenge you today to give God that offering of your time, that tenth. Remember, he said, give him the first fruits of your labor. Give him the first part of your morning. I challenge you today. Give God the first part of your morning and watch the rest of your day. Just watch it. Watch it. I have to. Now I have to. Like, I can't get my day started without giving God the first part of my day. I have to. When the house is quiet, everybody's still sleeping. I have to get before God and give him the first part of my day. Because he deserves that. 
because he loves us so much. He is a good shepherd. He's a good, good father. He is always taking care of us. He is always mindful of us. He's always thinking about us. Even in the smallest things that we think people, other people don't care, God cares. He says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So I'm going to give him all my cares. I'm going to give him all my worries. I'm going to give him all the things that I go through without in, in life and I try to fix and handle myself. I'm going to give that to God. Do you know that even though we try to control other people, we cannot control other people. If we laid other people at God's feet, God will do the work. It is not our job to try to change people. Only God can change people. You have to release your, out of your heart. Release people out of your heart. A lot of people hold grudges. They hold people in their hearts the whole time. You cannot serve God and hold people in your heart. Release people out of your heart. Those who have hurt you, those who have wronged you, those who have cussed you out and called you all kind of names, family members who have hurt you and abused you, the closer you get to God, God changes your perception of those people who hurt you. He causes you to see them in a different light. They are just hurt people hurting people. That's it. They have not been healed from their hurt, and so all they can do is hurt. I'll lay those people, release those people out of your heart, lay them at your feet, and allow God to do the changing. Allow God to do the fixing. Allow God to do the providing. Allow God to do the way making. Allow, will you allow, are you opposed to allowing God being great in your life? Will you say no to God being great in your life? I dare you to give God a chance this morning with your life. We let God into our hearts, but we only let God into parts of our hearts and pieces of our hearts. And God says, I want all those broken pieces. Give me all those broken pieces. You got a broken heart? Give me all of those broken pieces and watch me put it back together again and make it new and make it whole in the name of Jesus. God is able. He is willing. But we got to be the one to release. We got to be the one to let go. We got to be the one to give it to God, to give it to God. Will you give God your heart this morning? I'm not talking about just the parts and pieces you want to give. I'm talking about your whole heart. Those dark, twisted places in your heart, because I, I had them too, and I got them too. Every morning, I have to give that to God. Every person who has wronged me, every person who has hurt me, all the, the dark thoughts in my heart and in my head, I got to give that to God every single day. I heard somebody say that you're not dying properly. The Bible says that we must be crucified. We must crucify our flesh right? If you still hold anger in your heart against somebody that has wronged you years ago, you're not dying properly. You have not crucified your flesh. We are crucified with Christ so that we can reign with him, right? I dare you to give God all of your heart, to surrender all of your, let God be great, he is not going to go against our human will. God gave us all will, right? God is not going to go against your human will. If you allow him to come in and fix, he will. 
he's not going to go against your human will. If you say no to God, he says, okay. God is a gentleman. If you surrender it to God, he'll fix it in a way that you've never imagined it could be fixed. He'll do it in a way that you never imagined it could be done. But you got to give it to God. I got to give it to God every single day laid at his feet. Because there are a lot of things that we can't fix. And if we try to fix it, we either going to mess it up or go to jail. Y'all agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is my challenge to you. Let God be great. Let God be great in your heart. Let God be great in your life. Let God be great in your children. Lay, those, lay, lay people, lay children, lay all headaches and situations that you're at God's feet because he says cast all your cares on him because he cares for us. Let God be great. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord. Wasn't that an amazing message? If you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in Lakeland, Florida, you can go to axioschurch.com and in the giving tab, you can give a one-time donation or a reoccurring gift. We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning. We meet every Sunday and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, make sure you're tuned in to everything that Axios Church has to offer.